All right, so Exodus. Um, last time we were in around like 32, 33, 34. That's kind of what we'll be talking about tonight and just po- pointing out some things in there. We did that long section on the tabernacle. I talked a little bit last week about the golden calf and we we talked about how golden calves are our ideas our conceptions about the God of the Bible, not not about another God. Golden calves aren't the, the way that what the golden calf represents in the Old Testament isn't just a isn't a false god. Uh, well, it is a false god, but it's not just any old false god. It's the false god that has the that that has the name. Of the God of Israel, it's it's what makes it an idol is not that. Um, let me put it this way: what makes an idol, any idol, an idol is that the understand that is that the the person's understanding of God or understanding of the of, of the nature of the relationship with God or what it means to serve God or worship God comes from the mind of man. It's not that the not necessarily that the name of God comes from the mind of man, although those are idols too, I suppose. But certainly they are. But the the golden calf was not that kind of an idol. The golden calf had the right name, the right association, the God who brought them out of Egypt, and yet it was uh, an idol because it was man's idea, man's concept of what. Um, what it meant to worship God, serve God, have a relationship with God. So we, we talked mostly about that last time, um, and so there's just a, there's a, a handful of just little things I I, I picked out here. The, the next couple verses or a couple chapters are really interesting. I don't know that I have a whole lot to to say about um, a lot of them, but they're really interesting. I mean, there, there's the I already kind of mentioned. I'll mention it again briefly here. But the the fact that Moses is up on the mountain, right, and he and and he gets the tablets of stone, and 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 I guess what I see in in this picture, among I mean other things, there's definitely the the give the fact that God is establishing a covenant with His people. The reality that, and we've talked about this before, a covenant is just a um, is a, it's a specific relationship. It's a it's a very specific agreement in which a, a relationship can exist, and and the relationship is always Christ. Christ is the covenant. He's the only covenant God's ever made with anybody. But he but he but he's related to people in Christ in various um, natural pictures of Christ before he actually brought a people into Christ himself. Does that make sense? That's what all the covenants are. They're um, whether it's the covenant with with Noah, uh, that was a picture of Christ in so many ways. We talked about that when we were there. Uh, the, cov- the the various covenants, um, the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant with uh, Israel, th- given to Moses here, the covenant with that God establishes with Phineas. It's a really cool picture. Uh, there, there's a covenant uh, with David. All of those covenants were were just Christ, um, kind of divided up and shown to Israel as a relationship 
in all of his different or many of his different facets in reality, some having to do with uh, judgment and life uh, and the end of condemnation of the flesh, which is what you see in Noah, some having to do with uh, the removal of flesh and a seed um, in which uh, or a land. There's different focuses of, of some of these different covenants, all of which have Christ as the substance. And then after he had given all of these pictures of covenants, God speaking to Isaiah or speaking to his son through the mouth of Isaiah says, speaking of the suffering servant who's going to come, he says, I will give you as a covenant to the people. I will give you as a covenant and I will give you as a light to the nations. That's two different places in... Um, Isaiah 40, it's like 42 and 49, I think. Uh, God says that <clears throat> through, uh, through Isaiah speaking of Christ. I'm gonna get, you're gonna be a relationship. You're gonna be the agreed upon way by which a people can relate to me. They're going to be in you. You're the boundaries of the relationship. You're the requirements of the relationship. You're the life given in the relationship. You're the blood that that purges and and purifies in this relationship. You're you know you're all of it, and he gives the substance of that. So anyway, that, that that's one of the things that's going on here is that God is is establishing Christ, and he gives. Uh, he gives these these tablets, these two tablets, and, and they're clearly, without any question, they are pictures of Christ, the living word. Now, these are written, written by the finger of God, but there's no question that these tablets are given to show us something. Not just because God, you know, if he wrote them on paper, someone might come by with an eraser and, you know, that's not the... That's not the real reason they were written in stone. They're written in stone because they were they, they represented this permanent abiding relationship that was then going to come and dwell in the ark forever. It was going to come and live in this container, this this living creation, this corporate body, the body of Christ, and it was going to be the governing uh life and light and perspective and word, the defining word of the relationship, of the nature, of the purpose, all of that inside of a people. And um and 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 Paul talks about how that the new covenant is written on the tablets of the human heart. In fact in, in Proverbs I was just reading earlier tonight, Proverbs chapter three. No. Yeah, I think it is Proverbs chapter three. It talks about writing Writing the uh, the the covenant on the tablets of the human heart, it mentions that same that same language, and uh, and and it's all throughout the prophets too. You know how God's going to write His covenant on their heart. He's going to write His law on their heart and in their mind, and and so that that's what we. The, the Bible is so incredibly consistent. It's just, you read it through one time for the first time and it just seems like a bunch of totally strange, different kinds of language, obscure this stories and, and prophecies and songs and, 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 and you can't, you, you, the Lord begins to shine his light. You keep reading through it. You keep reading through it. And as the light shines in your heart, it's so, uh, it's so consistent. It's so, perfectly i don't know the the right word to say it it's just it's it's so single maybe that's the maybe that's the right word it's so single and uh and, and i love that about it but you 
you see that God is giving Moses his own in in a sense his own word his own mind his own understanding in these tablets and 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 what i see here is that the tablets come down twice so so the word comes down the the first coming of the word or 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 the coming of these tablets or the coming of christ um it comes to a, a people um externally he's outside of them now I'm talking about both the I'm talking about both the story that we're reading now in Exodus and I'm talking about at the same time I'm talking about Christ's coming as a man. He comes so so the tablets come down the mountain and what do they meet with, right? They come down with Moses and they meet with a bunch of rebellion, a, bu- a bunch of uh, idolatry, a bunch a bunch of um false gods and rejection and Christ comes down and meets with the same thing. He comes to his own. His own are supposed to receive. He comes, you know, the, the tablets of stone come down the mountain to a people that God, God Himself has pulled out of Egypt, and and yet they're, they've already uh, formed their own image of 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 God of His Word, and um, that to me that parallels. I hope you're following the parallel held here. That the parallel is that Christ. There's a coming of Christ outwardly, and that results in the breaking of Christ. That result when he comes outwardly, he meets with rebellion, he meets with idolatry, he meets with rejection. He comes to his own, his own reject him, and he is crushed, just like the the first set of tablets are crushed. And and then he he rises from the dead, goes back up to his father, and shortly after um he 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 comes at pentecost remember he he ascends to his father but he says go to jerusalem and tarry uh and, and very shortly the same jesus uh the, the angels rebuke them for looking up in the sky because this same jesus is coming to to them shortly and 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 ten days and this is it, it makes sense to me that the angels are rebuking these disciples for looking up into the sky for the very for the very Christ that is about to come and fill his temple the very Christ is going to appear in that cloud in his temple filling his temple and then filling all of Israel and and a, a new Israel a new temple a new kingdom. And so, um, like I said before, the tablets uh, ascend back to the mountain and uh, kind of corresponding to Christ's return to the Father. Then they come down and they dwell. When they come down again, those tablets return. They don't just come externally to be this outward judge of a rebellious people. They come and immediately they're placed inside of the ark. And I, I, I see there just kind of a picture of those two those two comings of the word. And, and And one of the things that's interesting about this to me is that when... When the tablets are broken, when 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 Moses throws these tablets down, and and I, I see that kind of an illustration of the the crushing of of Christ, the as it says in um, Isaiah fifty three, it pleased God to crush him. The people too bear that judgment in themselves. It's not just the tablets that 
experience that judgment, if you can follow what I'm saying here, the people as well, the, 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 the goal, their sin is ground up and they're made to drink it. And then on top of that, the Levites strap their swords on their, on their thighs and go out and kill their rebellious brethren. And 3,000 of them are killed that day. So, um, and that's, okay, let's see here, Exodus 32:20. Then he took the calf which they had made, burnt it with fire, ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. That's an interesting thing. And I, and I see, what I see in that is that it's, it, this isn't Jesus dying instead of, um, this people, or the word crushed instead of the, this, this people experiencing judgment. This is, this is them experiencing, they're, they're drinking it too. They're being baptized into his death. They're being buried with him. They're being put to death, uh, by the high priest as well. And, uh, <clears throat> and that second part that I mentioned is here in Exodus 32, 26. I wrote down this verse. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the, from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother. Every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Anyway, I thought I, I mentioned that briefly the other day. I can't remember if it was during a recording or after the recording or when it was. I just thought I'd touch on that, that again. I just, to me, uh, that just at one of the times reading through there, that just really stuck out to me. That that the coming of the word of god first in rejection and judgment second into an eternal dwelling place a new creation uh, a glorified habitation a place to, to rest and how that so perfectly corresponds with um the coming of christ the word um i jotted down here as i was as I was looking at this at this section, I jotted down here about Aaron. You know, it's interesting because Aaron is a good example of something. You know, Moses goes up on the mountain, and Aaron does this whole thing with the golden calf, and it's it's his idea to take out the take off the jewelry and put it in the fire. And he, when Moses comes back down, um, when Moses comes back down the mountain, Aaron comes up with that tale of who knows maybe he believed it i doubt it but he's the one that formed it with a tool it says of how it popped out of the fire you know uh, supernaturally and and as i was reading through this again i just thought you know aaron's a good a good example of the fact that what is good about aaron aaron plays a really key role he's like the head of the priesthood he's this representation of christ and the high priest and and yet aaron's it continually shows um uh well faults or problems or weakness and and I think it's important that we come to understand that what's good about the good people in the Old Testament is not that they had a different nature besides Adam working in them I don't think that they did 
I don't think that that was even given until the Spirit of God was given after the resurrection. I think that what's good about these people is the way is what what Aaron represents. That's his goodness. His goodness wasn't in himself. And I say that because so many Christians, when they read through the Old Testament, what they're looking for is kind of how to be like these main guys that God set apart and used. And they say, you know, what what's what 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 is it about Moses that made God relate to him this way? What is it about Aaron that made him fit to be the high priest? Or what is it about Israel that God chose them? The thing that makes them special is God's choosing of them to play a very particular role in this testimony. But it's not the other way around. It's not like they by themselves or in and of themselves were something unique, uh, different than the Adamic man, holy in and of themselves. And then God said, wow, this is really impressive and chose them because of what they were. He chose them in spite of what they were and used them for something special. And we talked about this a little bit this morning in the Colossians class with respect to the Jews. People today are still really confused about this with respect to the Jews. There is something very, very special about the Jews. And it's the fact that God used them to paint a picture of a spiritual reality, a spiritual Messiah, a spiritual people, a spiritual covenant, a spiritual sacrifice, a spiritual resurrection. He used them in a, in a bunch of incredible ways that uh that that we that we but but we read the stories and we try to find what is it about this person I can emulate or what is it about this nation that I I mean there are people today who are literally investing themselves in serving uh Jews because they because they think they read that verse that says you know he who blesses you blesses me and or blesses God who curses you curses and and they they still think that that they they think that that has to do with a nationality or the natural uh, the natural thing that God used to speak of a spiritual and eternal reality. And there's just a lot of confusion there. It's the same whether you're talking about the Jews in general or whether you're talking about Aaron or whether you're talking about Moses, um, David. I think in all of these stories you can see that the thing that made them incredible is. And I'm not, and I'm not saying these people didn't come to, to faith and come to, uh, to walk by faith to, to, to varying degrees. I think they did. A lot of them did. I don't, I don't know much about Aaron, but I definitely think Moses did and David did and saw by the Spirit beyond their covenant, beyond their day. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that the thing you're supposed to see in these men and women that in, in some ways represent or, or, or that that God puts on display for some reason or another is not what they are in themselves and how God then dealt with them for what they were but but the but the way that God used them to testify of someone completely different I hope that makes sense because Aaron in and of himself is not if you look to Aaron or if you look to Jacob Jacob is such an amazing picture of Christ and yet I don't know that he knew much about how God was using him as that picture of Christ when he deceived his father. I don't really know what was going on. His mother, Rachel, was an incredible picture of Christ too in that story where um, where she takes the curse of the father upon herself and clothes uh, the nation of Jacob, the, one of the two nations that came from her womb with with the 
the the merits of the firstborn and presents her to the father. I don't know what her motive was in in doing that. The Lord used her to paint an incredible picture of what Christ does to us. He closes us in the in the firstborn, presents us to the Father who sees us hidden in Christ. It's an amazing thing, and yet. Are we supposed to imitate Rachel? Are we supposed to deceive our parents? Are we supposed to, you know, uh, try to supplant our brother? I mean, I, that's not what we're, what we're meant to see in these pictures. The holy thing about Aaron, the thing that was holy, was not his own individual character, but the way that God set him apart in a very specific and, and, and exact way to represent, to become a pattern of the one who would fulfill all of the pictures involved in his, in his role. I hope that distinction makes a little bit of sense because, um, you know, Christians are always looking for, I don't know, role models or heroes. And there really should only be one of those. And the only way to act, and that, that's Christ, obviously. And the only, the only real way to follow in his footsteps is to lose your life and have his life, uh, replace yours. It's, it's, it's not to hunt through the Bible for morals and character qualities and spiritual takeaways that you can emulate and copy with your own life that's just not it that's not how it works these these people that are said to be good or 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 paint pictures of things that are good they're good in that god chose them and used them to testify of his son and the only thing good the only one who is good is the one who fulfills those pictures and then by, and then makes them partakers of himself and makes us partakers of himself. Hopefully that was clear. I don't know if that came out clear or not. Um, all right. I, I, in chapter 33, there's this, this thing here that um, in verse 15, it says, Moses is talking to to the Lord and he says if your presence does not go with us do not bring us up from here for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us so we shall be separate your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth and and I just there's a number of things about that that really strike me and I just thought I'd say a couple things about that I I feel like that has to be the the cry of all of our hearts uh, before the Lord, and I hope I hope that all of you who are hearing this right now never never want anything less than that. Never never desire any other kind of distinction from the other people who claim to know the Lord besides having the living, reigning presence of God in your own soul. I I hope that that's the only thing that 
makes that that you want to make you distinct. I mean, I hope it's not that we have a better understanding of this, or that our theology is more whatever, or that we're not or more conservative and they're more liberal. Or I, I hope it's I hope that's not really. I mean, maybe that stuff is true, but as as well. But I hope that that's not what you're looking for. I hope that in the bottom of your heart that there's something of this same cry of Moses that um that is not that the on, the only thing that that you desire to ha- make any distinction between I mean between those who have something real and those who don't those who are the people of the Lord and those who just have a bunch of claims um to that I I I hope that what's burning in your heart is this thing, Lord. If if your presence is not going with us, if you're not the one who is bringing us up out of Egypt and establishing yourself in the midst of us and and fashioning and forming us according to the image of your Son in a in a living and and real way how in the world are we going to know that this is even real if it's just if it's just words on a page and sermons on sunday and and bible verses on the fridge how do we even know that we have anything well you don't you don't unless you have that unless you have that living moving reigning conquering king filling your soul with his light guiding you on out of one man and into another in your experience showing you uh, a land that you need to walk the depth and the width and the breadth of and, and and possess it by faith unless he is this conquering king that's that's he that is uh, putting to death in in a very violent manner in your heart all of the enemies of his kingdom and 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 reigning until all of the enemies are made a footstool under his feet in in you unless he goes up in the midst of you in in this way unless he's a living experience i don't know i'm trying to i'm hunting for words here then then what are you then what are you what, what do we even have to talk about? You know what I mean? What, what are we even doing? Do, do, I mean, do we really think that God is trying to give us correct doctrine? I, I, I don't think that. I think, I, I don't think that that's true. Do, do we really think that God's primary concern is that we believe the right things? And, and do things that are correct. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think, what does God want? I think He wants to reign in the midst of a, of a people who literally bear His image and name and life and purpose. Who, a people that are, that are, uh, constrained and motivated and, and, and moved by the indwelling life of the Son of God. I, 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 and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that I just really hope that with all of us, that's that's what we're about. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're. That's what that's what interests us. That's what, you, know, you wake up in the morning, you don't think about just I don't know learning another uh, spiritual nugget 
during your quiet time or um applying another promise to your life i ho- i ho- i seriously hope that's not what we're about i don't think that's what god wants at all for for his people i think he wants a people that have this cry if your presence if you're we're supposed to be the dwelling place of god we're supposed to be the ones who are experience his experiencing his tablets being written in our heart we're supposed to be reading them where he has written them we're supposed to be learning that relationship and abiding in it we're supposed to be this new creation these cherubim who have been newly made who are full of eyes that follow the lamb wherever he goes crying holy 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 who who are constantly growing to grow at least growing to to stand in his midst and and not let him get out of our sight and and abide in his presence and walk with him wherever he goes and so the wheels turn and and move wherever that throne is upon the earth you see that's that's what we're supposed to be that's Ezekiel's vision and that's what that's what the church is in in spirit and truth and what it should be in our hearts as that truth is made real i just really i i've I don't know. I just feel like that has just got to be what we're after. And if it's anything less than that, you know, there's so many different versions of Christianity and so many people are searching for so many different things. But Moses, he, that's what, this is what he wanted. How, how in the world are we going to know that there's anything different between us and all the other people in the earth that have their own gods or their own version of Jesus or their own version of the Bible? What's the difference going to be if it's not your life if it's not your spirit filling transforming changing teaching enlightening guiding in all things if if we don't bear your image and and are are conformed to your nature and see with your light and walk by your life you know what's the difference what's the difference the difference has to be the actual it, it, it can't be a form of godliness without the power it has to be the actual power itself it can't it can't be a temple without glory it has to be the glory the glory itself that fills the temple you see it's not a matter of it's the kingdom of god is not a matter of words it's not a matter of doctrines it's not a matter of types and shadows although all the types and shadows point to this thing this reality the kingdom of god is a matter of power where is that power found you know some someone says it's the power of the co- completed canon no it's not it's the power of signs and wonders no it's not i mean that's the fringes of it outward signs and wonders are just the fringes of it the outward testimony of an inward and eternal reality how real is this to you and how real do you want it to be how real do you want to live by the resurrected life of Jesus Christ? Paul was so, and and John and and Peter and 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 they were so familiar with this inward reigning power that they could call it the proof of their ministry. They could call it the the the, the thing that distinguished them from all these other wise and learned uh, so-called apostles that were spreading around truths about Jesus or about the Jewish customs and laws. It was the thing that, that, that distinguished them from every, what, every, everyone else. It was the, it was the presence of God. Um, let's see, in 33 here, a little bit, little bit later on, there's this interesting story about the, um, the cleft of the rock. 
and let me just read a couple of verses here. And in Exodus thirty-three eighteen, he said, "Please show me your glory." And he said, "I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before." Remember, we talked about several times, I think, how glory is. What is glory? How how does God glorify Himself? How do a people glorify God? Glory is. God disclosing himself, revealing himself, making himself known. That which glorifies God is you don't have glory in yourself to give to God. God has to glorify himself in you. He has to give you something of himself, form it in you, and and put it on display for you to give glory to him. It's, it, glory comes from God. It works in you as the increase of God, and it, it's, it's, it's returned to him as his own increase. And and God glorifies himself by causing himself, putting himself on display. And that's what he's saying here. Show me your glory. And uh and God says, Well, okay, here, here here's how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my goodness pass before you and and I'm gonna proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before you. And he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Um, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And that's such a loaded statement. I hope you see that it's no man shall see me and live. And yet this whole covenant that we're in now is about us having died coming to the face of Jesus Christ. You see, it's in, in that covenant, you could not see him and live. In this covenant, you cannot live, but you can see him. You see, that's that's what happens. You die with Christ, so you can see the face of God. You baptize into, you know, it's the it's the light of the glory of the of the uh, of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ, and and that's that's man, that's exactly what. That's that's the awesomeness of this covenant. In in the, the old covenant, you could see the back of God. You can see the, you can see the shadows of God. You can see the things that point to Him because you live, because you're still alive in in the flesh. You can, that's all you can see. And and in this covenant, having been baptized into His, having died, then then we can finally see what Moses longed to see. Uh, what so many as Jesus says, so many kings and so many prophets long to see what you see. What did they see? Well, they came to see the face of Jesus Christ. And and it's true, yeah, it's it's true. You still really can't see him and live, but but you can die and see him, and that's what the cross gives you. That, that you can lose your life and be raised up into. At the, at the heavens and behold the face of God. That's the new covenant. And here, this is the old covenant. And and there's there, you know there's always pictures in the in the old. There's pictures of the new, but then there's also you see kind of some of the limitations. You see it here with the with the back of the Lord or the back of God. As I haven't got to that part yet, I'm going to read it in a second. But you also see it with um, uh, Moses makes a a, a or Moses. Uh, Paul makes a, a contrast between the glory in the face of Moses and the glory in the face of Christ and how they couldn't even look upon that which was passing. They couldn't even look upon the lesser glory. They couldn't even look upon the, the man who represented Christ with a little bit of external glory coming off of his face. 
they wanted him to cover him. They wanted him to hide that. They they were just like what Jesus says: "Light has come, but men love darkness, and and they hide from it." And how true is that? Even in the shadow, but so so much more true now when that full light, that true sun, has dawned. And uh, anyway, let me finish this verse. You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, <laughs> "I love this too." Here is a place by me. Here is a place by me. I love that. That's just, that's what Christ is. It's like, I mean, Christ is all of these things. You shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And, uh, well, I don't know. What I see here is just Christ, the, Christ the rock, Christ the cleft, Christ the covering, Christ the glory. I see a man, I see a, a human tucked, a, a soul tucked away in Christ. And Christ is, is everything that's happening here. Not the face of Christ, not the, not the true seeing that comes in the New Testament or the New Covenant, but the, but but a picture of it in so many ways. Christ, Christ, our covering. Christ, the the one that that God relates to on our behalf. Uh, us hidden. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, brought up into the glory, bringing many sons to glory. Uh, beholding Jesus saying. I desire, Father, that they be with me where I, where, where I, where I am, that they may see the glory that I had with you before the world was, bringing the sons up into that glory, covering them entirely in his own garments and himself, wrapping us in fine linen and putting a turban on our head, you know, transformed into the same image because his, he begins, Moses begins to bear the very image of what he saw coming down with that face glowing being changed into what he sees it's like second uh, corinthians uh chapter 3 verse 18 beholding as in a glass the the glory of the lord and being changed into the same image from glory to glory and uh and so so god goes and he um i know i'm running out of time here but he his glory is this it's kind of like this big self description as he passes by in chapter now we're in the beginning of chapter thirty four and he gives this description of himself and and I don't know I don't totally understand this this description or why he chose to say these things and not other things I'm, I'm not sure I mean I like it I don't I don't totally understand it but it, 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 one thing that that I think is clear is that God's um the the contrast here between the 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 first glory the former glory the glory of the old the glory of the shadow and the glory of the substance because the glory of the first is a description and that's it's words it's symbols it's figures it's visions it's prophecies it's promises it's words that describe god the glory of the substance is the actual substance of god shining out from the soul. So it's it's the change from words that describe to the word who being revealed causes the soul to know. Do you see the difference there? Um 
the true God's true glory isn't this paragraph that describes who he is it's the light it's the life that shines as light in the soul that causes your soul to be acquainted with this reality i hope that contrast makes sense so again all of words even our words um don't i mean even even words spoken now that were in the new covenant don't they don't actually contain the glory they describe it but the true knowing of Christ, it's like it says in Hebrews chapter 1. He spoke in, in the years past in many ways, diverse ways of old through the prophets and the fathers. And, but now he speaks in son. What does that mean? That means he puts you in his son and then he shines his light on that son and you see the thing that was formerly described. And so the, the glory here, again, it's a description. It's words declaring a nature, a kind, a love, uh, a rejection also is involved in this because there's both sides of the cross involved in this self-description. Uh, there's, there's the gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, pouring that out, but by no, men, by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And then I love how it says, and Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. I love that. Oh, I don't have a whole lot to say about this, this self-description, except that I feel like it, like I said a minute ago, I feel like it's a description of two sides of the cross. I feel like there's, um, there's the there's the one side is all that God is to the human soul in Christ, and the other side is all that God is to the human soul outside of Christ. I think that's that's kind of how I see it. He is all of these things to those who are in him, and he is these other things which are which are still part of his good character, but they they they're not the human soul doesn't experience those things in positive ways uh if when when you're when you're on the um the side of the cross that deserves the indignation and righteous wrath of god so um this thing about visiting Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's the same thing as punishing. In fact, there's, there's specific laws in, in the, in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant about not punishing sons for the sins of their fathers and not punishing fathers for the sins of their son. Each man must bear his own iniquity, you know, and I don't think that's what it's talking about here. I'm not, <clears throat> I, I think it's probably has to do with, um, Kind of uh, nations uh, uh, inheriting the the consequences of the wickedness uh, of their of their fathers or the rebellion of their fathers, uh, things and things like captivity or poverty or or whatever. I'm not I'm not totally sure, uh, but I don't think it's like God punishing individual souls for something they didn't commit. I don't think that's what he what he has in mind here. It's um, I can't give you a great description of what it what it is though. So anyway, I'm out of time. I'll stop with that and see if see if there's questions here.